This is episode 29, The Birth of Raphael Hugo Rivera. Welcome to the Wellness Project podcast with Claire Obeyed. I'm a life and wellness coach, yoga teacher, EFT practitioner, and meditation guide. And most importantly, I'm a mama. And I'm here to support you to free your mind, fuel your body, and feed your soul as we journey into the project of your own wellness. From meditation, yoga, spirituality, and health, to well-being, mindset, conscious living, and conscious parenting, I dive into it all. Featuring moments of contemplation mixed with inspired action and handy takeaways, you will feel inspired and motivated, ready to cultivate new habits, rituals, and tools for your wellness journey. With mini meditation sessions to support you in cultivating inner stillness, connection, and clarity, and special co-hosted episodes and interviews to answer your questions. The Wellness Project podcast has you covered. Hello, beautiful ones. It is Claire here, and I am so, so excited to be back on the podcast, ready to chat with you and explore all things wellness, mind, body, and soul. But to kick off this next season of the podcast, I'm so thrilled to be sharing with you finally the birth story of my beautiful little boy, Rafael Hugo Rivera. So I wanted to start this season with my birth story because honestly that's top of mind and it is is the most pivotal and the most, how do I say this, poignant element of my life at the moment, this baby. This baby is the center of my universe. So before I launch straight into the birth story, there's a little bit of backstory to give you. And that's really important in the whole scheme of things. Not because I just want to be really self-indulgent and tell you all about my birth story experiences, but because it all leads to the lessons and the golden nuggets of wisdom that I want to impart with you that have really landed for me. And the whole purpose of sharing this birth story is not just to tell a story, but also to impart those lessons for you as well. So a very quick backdrop into my birthing experience with Soleil, which will kind of add some context as we go along. So I carried Soleil to 42 weeks. I was in the group midwifery program at our local hospital, which is focused on the the birth center um, model, a really incredible model. Um, I ended up going to 42 weeks with Soleil. My waters broke one day after having a really massive cleansing day with lots and lots of acupuncture and a lot of EFT releasing any residual blockages around giving birth and becoming a mama. But unfortunately, my labor didn't progress that far after my waters broke. So I was induced, not the full induction process, a process that's called augmentation. And I didn't have to have that much of that induction process because labor kicked off very, very quickly. So in the space of, I think it was three and a half or so hours, I went from starting the induction process to giving birth to Soleil. So it was a very, very epic, very fast, at lightning speed type of birth. Um, other than that, no, no drugs, all natural, no tearing, all of the sort of stuff that you want for a, a birth, essentially. And it was a beautiful experience. It was a wild experience. It left me very, very shocked and a little bit shaken up, to be honest, because it was just so quick. Um, but then the months following that particular birth experience is what really counts because in order to become the mother that I needed to be, I was almost broken by my experience with Soleil. It really left me in quite a dark place and took me into the depths of surrender and back up again. So I wanted to share very quickly that birth experience with Soleil because it is in very, very stark contrast. There are some similarities, but very different to this experience with Raphael. However, One thing I did get from my experience with Soleil was this deep and incredible trust in the miracle of birth, in my body's capability to birth, in the magic that unfolds in that birthing experience. So going into my second pregnancy and planning for the birth with Raphael, I had this unshakable trust that I was going to birth in a very, very similar way, if not faster And it was going to be beautiful and magical and all those sort of things that us mamas dream about. However, it wasn't quite like that. (laughs) I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seat here because I don't want to give anything away too soon. But it was very, 
very different to that. And it's in those differences that I have entered an even deeper state of surrender and entered an even deeper state of trust which if anyone has been following my work for a long time, you'll know that surrender and trust and acceptance have been lessons that have knocked me over the head over and over and over again, and each time going to a deeper level and a new layer. So it's pretty wild, and I'm going to launch into all of that in a second. Now, before I go any further, I want to share with you why I'm doing this, why I'm sharing you my birth story. Now, other than it being an awesome thing to do for us women to impart our stories and, and to pass them on to each other, we support each other by sharing our stories. The first lesson that comes through this story with Raphael is something that I think all of us need to hear. And it's something that maybe goes against the grain a little bit, but it's important to hear it. And that is about manifestation and it's about perfectionism. So it's really important to learn this lesson at some point in your life, and that is that you can't manifest your ideal or perfect scenario in your life if it's not aligned with your own personal soul growth and expansion. And sometimes you don't know what your personal soul growth and expansion is, and you don't know what is required to make that happen. But another layer to that manifestation principle is that you are bringing a soul into the world with their own blueprint, with their own guideline, I guess, for how their life and who they're going to be will unfold. Now, because of that, it means that it's not just your birth story, it's also their birth story. So there's layers and elements to this story unfolding that you actually have no control over, and it actually is in the hands of this baby and this soul. And I always knew this, but I don't think I gave it enough credit to how big a role the baby actually plays in the outcome of the birth. They might be waiting for a particular moon or a star sign or a date or a time or particular things to line up that are going to contribute to who they are and how their life unfolds. Or maybe it is the way that the birth happens that gives them the resilience that they need or the extra love that they need or the gentleness that they need. Maybe they need to come into the world in a really gentle way because it's part of their soul growth and soul lessons. We don't know, right? Now, the other thing I want to do is really highlight the importance of sharing stories as women and imparting the nuggets of wisdom that we experience from our own birth and pregnancy stories and that we can each help heal and support and uplift each other by doing that. So that is the other reason that I'm doing this, which I mentioned before, but that is really, really important to me. Really important that you hear this story and you pass it on to other women and other mamas so that we can actually help create a tribe of love and support and really hold each other in this journey of motherhood and that we can show each other that all the different stories are beautiful and special and perfect just as they are and that we can use those stories to actually educate and empower ourselves. Okay, so I'm going to now dial more into the story of Raphael. Now, Raphael was a baby that, just like Soleil, I felt his soul energy come to me at least six months before I actually fell pregnant. And once again, just like Soleil, I was resisting it a little bit, even though Within my heart, I actually knew intuitively that it was time and I was meant to now step into that stage of motherhood again. I was resisting it a little bit. So we didn't actually try to get pregnant. And I say this with all due respect to people who struggle to get pregnant and who take a very long time to. But we didn't actually try. And when we accidentally got pregnant again, it was a shock. But I was very very grateful because instantly I felt the energy of this little boy and I felt how beautiful and gentle and calm and sweet and special and resilient he was so here we were pregnant again and some crazy stuff started unfolding very very quickly this little baby started communicating with everybody all the time I can't tell you how many people both close to me and complete strangers would pass on messages to me from this baby so on a psychic energetic plane he was connecting and communicating how excited he was to be my baby boy and how 
thrilled he was to start this journey. So it was a really, I hate to use this word, but a very spiritual and a very love-centered experience. I'm not going to go into the pregnancy. The pregnancy had its highs and lows, but essentially it was a very healthy and happy pregnancy the whole way through. What I do want to tell you about is my relationship and my connection with this baby via an incredible woman called Marianne C. Now, if you go back to episode 27 on my podcast, I think it's 27, I hope it is, I will link it for you, you can listen to my podcast episode with Marianne C, who is an intuitive and a healer and who works directly with babies in utero. It's a pretty wild experience, but because of Marianne, I was able to connect with Raphael before he was born. And what we did together, Marianne, Marianne and I, was do some deep healing work on helping him ground and feel that he could ground here on earth, which is something that I, as a soul, have struggled with. And also some reconnection work, opening the channels of love between Raphael and myself, which, as Marianne explains, is the most important thing when we're bringing babies into the world. It doesn't so much matter how they come into the world. It doesn't so much matter the kind of trauma that maybe has surrounded their experience. All of that is nullified when there is a deep flow and channel of love. And I'm going to elaborate on that more by reading a quote to you later from Marianne. But for now, let's just focus on what unfolded. So through Marianne, not only was I allowed to do this deep healing work with Raphael, I was also able to talk to him about his name and have a chat with him about that. He told me every time he didn't care what his name was, but told me how he felt about some of the names that I presented to him, which was really fun. We were able to also have a chat about what was taking Raphael so long to come earthside. So this is where I want to highlight, guys, that I went to 43 weeks pregnant. Those of you that are connected to me on social media, I have to do a very public shout out of love and appreciation because you incredible women and many, many good men and fathers held me through that, lifted me up, kept me strong and kept me focused and just showered me with so much love and support. So I thank you for that because getting to 43 weeks was both equal parts beautiful and blissful and delicious soaking up the last few days of our extended summer but it was also challenging because I knew that I was going over and in the hospital system I was going to have to be tested and regularly checked and standing my ground of being strong and all that kind of stuff to stay true to what I wanted to do. So what is it that I wanted to do? I wanted to listen to Raphael and I wanted him to call the shots. I wanted him to guide me and I wanted him to come safely to this world on his terms, in his time. So Marianne and I were frequently checking in with him to say, hey buddy, it's been a long time. Are you okay in there? Are you all right? And the energy we would get back every time and the clear message was, I am so happy. I am so calm. I'm content and I'm safe and everything is good. I have a plan, I'm coming, don't you worry. I'll see you soon. So because I was checking in with him so much and we were getting such positive feedback back, it was just like, okay, cool, this is what's going on. It's kind of tough because, buddy, you're in my body <laughs> and I'm getting tired and really heavy and I really, really desperately want to meet you and hold you and fall in love with you even more. So that was a bit of a struggle, but it was part of my journey of surrender. One other thing that came through was I thought he was going to be an Aries baby. But when he clicked over to the Taurus sign, I realized, oh yes, I've got this chilled bull chewing the card, sitting out in the field, soaking up the sun. He will move when he wants to move, not when anyone tells him to. The funny thing is I kept saying to him, I don't know why, but these words would come out of my mouth. Come on, buddy, time to come. Otherwise, they're going to cut you out. Yes. Hmm. So what happened? Once I hit 42 weeks, I had to go into the hospital for regular checking, which I was fine for. So CTG monitoring and ultrasounds to check that fluid levels were fine, placenta was growing okay, and that he was happy and safe. 
And he was. Every single time we checked, he was fine. And then Friday, Friday the 27th came along, 27th of April. And this was a pretty epic day for me. Just like the day that my waters broke with Soleil, I had a huge day of emotional release on the 27th of April. The full moon was coming, the full moon in Virgo, the sign of perfection. <laughs> and I had this day of literally walking in the rain by the beach, a day mixed of crying and dancing in the rain and moving and shaking and emotionally working this stuff out of my physical body. It was a pretty wild day. That evening, lying on the bed with my beautiful little Soleil, cuddling her, I felt that familiar release. My waters had broke and it was a huge gush. <laughs> it wasn't a trickle. My body doesn't do that. Both times, my body has had this huge, huge gush and a continual one. I was not excited though when this happened. This, this heavy feeling dropped within me when that happened. I just didn't feel right about it. Labor did start for me though, unlike Soleil, and it happened quite vigorously that evening and then tapered off by the morning. And then the same thing happened again the next day and the next night and tapered off again. So I had to go in for monitoring on the Saturday afternoon. And that particular monitoring was the first time ever that baby started to show signs of distress. This was a really, really challenging time for myself and my husband. I'm not going to lie. It was really, really difficult because we were torn between giving him a little bit more time to come because my body was doing something quite a lot, actually, and listening to this distress call. Is this legit? Is this serious? He hasn't done this at all, all week. What do we do? So it was a really confusing time for me, and I'm not going to lie, I had a bit of a struggle with sitting in my intuition and hearing what needed to happen at this point. So Sunday morning came, April the 29th, and I had agreed to come in for another lot of checks at that point. I had also agreed that by Tuesday, if nothing had happened, I would agree to an induction. They weren't happy, the hospital wasn't happy with the Tuesday date because that was quite a considerable time after my water's breaking and of course there's concern of infection. But that's just what I decided. However, I went in on Sunday the April the 29th and during that first lot of scanning and CTG monitoring, beautiful baby boy showed quite a few points of distress. And not just a little bit of distress, but quite a dip in his heart rate. And I had all these things flash through me at that moment. I heard my mum on the phone that morning say to me, very unusually, Claire, if the hospital asks you to stay, please do. Which is really unlike my mum because she very much trusts me and what I feel is right. But she asked this of me that morning. And I had all these other things come through to me quite a few times over the last few weeks prior to that point. Raphael had been dropping really, really deep, really deep and engaging very low and then coming back up. And that last week, he hadn't actually been dropping deep at all. So all these little things started to pop into my head. And the hospital asked us, what do you want to do, Claire? We strongly advise that you stay and we give you a little kickstart and get this labor going and have your baby with you today. And I was so torn. I was so torn. I asked my husband and the midwife to leave the room. And I sat there and I cried. And I went through, it even makes me emotional saying this, guys, I went through the most uncomfortable stripping of myself in that moment. This deep push, I guess, into surrender was unfolding. And it was really, really uncomfortable. And it was uncomfortable because I realized something. I had to let go of my dream. I had to get, get rid of my story, my wishes. I had to let go of what I wanted and actually hear this baby, which is what I said I was doing from the beginning, that I would listen to him and I would make the call to honor him and what he needed. 
And little did I know in that moment that so much of my desire for this beautiful, incredible birth that was completely uninterrupted and no intervention, that was all about me. And I thought it was about him, but it was actually all about me. So here I was making a decision, and I asked the angels for a, a sign. And I said in my heart, okay, let's do this. Let's start the process now. Let's have him in my arms today. And as I said that, I looked up and the clock hit 11.11. So I knew I'd made the right decision. My husband walked back in the room and I told him, and he looked so relieved. His shoulders dropped. He let out a sigh of relief, and I knew, okay, definitely, I've made the right decision. So the hospital started to prepare. They went to get the room ready, to set up the birthing pool, to darken the room, to do all of that sort of stuff while Chris ran home to get my labor bag and my hospital bag. So this was all happening really, really quickly. Oh, yes, uncomfortable because I didn't want it that way. But when I decided to get out of the way and to hear Raphael and to let go of my agenda and my expectations and my dreams and to especially let go of what I think he needed in order to enter the world, everything felt much better. So we started to set up the room. We got my essential oils going. We got my music going. And I switched gears and I was happy and ready and fully embodied in this experience. And I knew that my body was going to kick into gear very quickly. Oh, gosh. Just taking myself back there is just like, wow. It is just such an incredible experience, women, what women do. It's just, yeah. Sorry, I'm just having a moment. So I was given a very low dose of syntocin at that point, which is synthetic oxytocin. And I was told because I was a second-time mama and because I birthed very fast last time and because I'd already had quite a lot of labor start that I wouldn't need a very high dose and they could switch it off. And thankfully, that is what happened. Labor started very, very quickly, and within about an hour, they'd switched off the syntocin. So that was awesome, and that was incredible news. And just like last time, the surges happened very quickly, and I was soon in the deep throes of beautiful, delicious, wild tribal labor. I say delicious because there's just something so raw about it that takes you to this other planet, and it requires all of you and it's just so special. And I had Chris there massaging my back, being incredible and sweet and supportive and not asking questions and not trying to figure out what to do, but just doing it and just being my rock. It was just so special. So at this point, something kind of hairy happened. And it was the first moment that I thought, wow, I'm being taken further into surrender. I'm being taken into a place of imperfection that makes me feel really uncomfortable and I need to stay open. So at a certain point, the head obstetrician came in and said, Claire, we're noticing quite a few dips in baby's heart rate and he's distressed quite a few moments within the last few contractions. So we need to do a lactate check and see if he's okay. Now, I've never heard of this before, but basically they go up into the birth canal and take a very tiny prick of the baby's head, test for sugars, and see the reading. If it's high, baby's in distress. If it's low, baby's actually okay and can keep going. Now, the midwife turned to the obstetrician and said, uh, the problem is he's not quite deep enough yet which she'd obviously noticed as she'd checked me not long ago. I was about six centimetres at that point. And this is where I went, whoa, okay, this game is not my game anymore. The obstetrician turned around and said, okay, well, that's a problem because if he's not deep enough and I can't do this and it's a C-section because he's very distressed. So I said, guys, do whatever you need to do to do this test. So this was incredibly uncomfortable. I had to lie down on my back, mid-surges, mid-contractions, with one midwife pressing deeply onto my uterus to push the baby down to get his head even deeper while the obstetrician went in to do this test all while riding through contractions. This was wild. I've never felt anything quite like this before. This was just like 
what is this? What is this? <laughs> this is tough. But we got through it. And thankfully she came out and she said, he's okay. You can keep going. I then had to switch gears back into birthing land very, very quickly. I then had to go into that birthing spiral and let go of that moment of slight panic and a little bit of adrenaline and come back into my center. And I'm really proud of myself to say that I did this. But what I did do was start communicating directly more with baby. I started talking to him out loud. You can do this, bub. Breathe. Stay calm. We're doing this together. We're doing it together. We're doing it together. We've got this. We've got this. We've got this. And there was a little bit of nervousness in me because I guess there's a part of me that heard the word C-section and went, huh, I've never heard that before. I've never considered it before. What's that? Is this a possibility? So here we are. We're birthing. I'm on the birthing stool and the birthing cushion. I decide that it's time to get in the bath. And that moment, guys, of stepping into that beautiful warm bath was the most gentle, incredible embrace ever. It was just like this hug. And I looked up at my husband. The room is dark. And he says, babe, that just looks amazing. And I said, oh, you've got no idea. So within maybe 15 minutes of that, I was at 10 centimeters and I could feel my body involuntarily pushing, which was quite an unusual feeling. I didn't have that the first time. Just mother nature taking over. And I was in the throes of breathing and moaning and pushing. And I could feel my body wanting to make it happen. I hit transition point and I threw up just like I did last time and I knew it was going to happen. But I'm in the pool and I'm, I'm involuntarily pushing and I just had this odd feeling. I don't really know how to describe this, but I noticed myself coming up into my head and talking about the pain I was feeling. And I was thinking to myself, this really hurts this time. This is really unusual. This is really uncomfortable. And then this other voice would say, oh, Claire, it's just because you know what's coming. Second time, mom, you're maybe a bit anxious. You're anticipating. And so I would try and switch that off. But then this voice would come back again and say, no, Claire, something's different. Something's different. So I started describing what I was feeling to the midwives. And they said, Claire, we think he's just turned posterior. Because all of a sudden I had gone from having rests between contractions to no longer being able to rest and having this searing back pain between those surges, which is a sure sign of posterior baby. So I was doing my best to ride through that posterior pain and power to all mamas that have birthed posterior because it is a completely different feeling. It takes a lot of mental and physical strength. But that voice didn't stop, guys. That voice inside me kept telling me that something was a bit off. And I started to listen. I started to tune in more. And I said to my midwife, something is not quite right. She said, Claire, why don't you tell me what you're feeling? Because I'll tell you what I'm seeing. And I said, I'm feeling like my body is opening and it's expanding and it's saying, baby, here you go. Here is the way out. But I feel like it's not, the plug is not connecting. I felt like he wasn't connecting to that opening. My midwife confirmed that, yes, that's what she was seeing. She could see him in the birth canal, but he wasn't quite deep enough. And the shape of his head was something she doesn't normally see, which meant the angle that he was at most likely was facing right up to the sky and slightly twisted, making it very, very difficult to come down. Add to that being posterior, he was obviously not in a good position to come down. So I decided to get out of the bath and head over to the bed so she could check and see if maybe she could um, push the opening of the cervix aside just a little bit more to help him to come down or just to see what was going on. Now, I just want to say, guys, here before I go any further that I'm giving you all these details for a reason. I'm not giving you these details to scare you if you're a mama-to-be. I'm giving you these details because what is about to unfold is quite a dramatic, intense experience and something that I had never, ever, ever considered or ever even looked at. I always just brushed over any other experiences of labor and birth that weren't my ideal or my perfect. And I now realize how wrong that was of me because it 
disconnected me from all possibilities. And although I do believe in the power of manifesting what you desire and what you dream of, like I said at the beginning, you're not going to manifest that if it's not what you're meant to experience. You're not going to manifest that if that's not what the baby wants to experience as well. So I'd completely disconnected from any kind of experience unless it was easy and relaxed and beautiful and gorgeous and flowy and in tune and blah, 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 all of that. So I'm giving you these details not to scare you, but to show you that even in the face of intense and slightly challenging and unusual and left of field, that you can still remain calm and present and have a calm, beautiful birth, which I still believe I had. So here I am on the bed. The midwife is checking me. And all of a sudden, the room fills with two obstetricians and another midwife. And I start hearing the words that I didn't want to hear, but I had known intuitively and subconsciously that was true. I was feeling this the whole time. I heard, Claire, you're 10 centimeters and you're a second time mama. This is usually quite quick by this point at 10 centimeters, but he's not here and he's not making his way down and we can see he's stuck and he's also distressed. He's potentially going to come down or we can potentially turn him and help him out. But we need to get him out because at 10 centimeters, you are now at the risk of severely hemorrhaging. So I'm actually kind of delirious at this point. I'm still surging. My body is still trying to push. So I'm 10 centimeters and my body naturally is pushing. So I'm listening to all of this while putting my hand up to shut everybody up while I ride through a surge and then come back to the conversation. I'm dropping in and out, in and out of labor land and reality, labor land and reality. And with each moment, I could feel myself shift more and more into surrender because I knew, I knew that if I could make this happen, as in get him out in this moment, I knew that if a room full of people showed up, that that would motivate me to either get him out or not. I knew that. But I also knew in that moment that something bigger was at play here. So I'm listening to their suggestions. They want to take me into theatre give me a spinal tap and try to manually rotate him because they really wanted to help me have a vaginal birth. But then if it didn't work, I would be ready to go straight into a C-section. And Chris and I were both just nodding because we knew, we already knew what was about to play out. We felt it. And I actually, I felt it that morning at the very, very beginning in those floods of tears when I decided that it was time for him to come out today. So I'm delirious and I'm going into shock. I'm starting to shake uncontrollably, which is pretty much a result of the adrenaline coursing through my system whilst the oxytocin is in my system trying to help me to birth and not being able to get him out. So with each push, each contraction, I could feel he just wasn't there and it was just so exhausting to be birthing or trying to birth without it happening, without that connection happening. I just want to dial back and say something here. The shock was also because moments ago, like literally minutes before this, I was in this birthing pool, smiling up at my husband, looking at him, feeling blissed out and saying, this is going to happen, my love. He's going to come so soon and it's here in this pool and this is going to be the most beautiful experience. And we were both high on that moment. So a lot of that shock I was feeling was switching gears. Now, I want to say here that I was not in resistance, though. I was accepting and surrendered and calm and present. And I want to really highlight this because some people think that you can't have a calm, beautiful birth unless it is, you know, in the birth and everything's blissful and perfect. I'm really wanting you to get that because I think sometimes we fight things, we get in our way, and that actually makes it worse. So I started talking intuitively I guess in my mind to baby boy and asking him are you okay and I could hear I am mama but I'm a bit scared I said can you come down and he said I don't know how mama I don't know how and so the plan shifted I nodded in agreement Chris nodded in agreement when we knew what was going to happen 
I almost told them not to bother turning him because I knew it wasn't going to happen. I knew that they couldn't turn him, but I let them try. The next 15 to 20 minutes were the most wild, wild, oh my God, the most wild experience I've ever gone through. I was on a trundle bed being prepped and pushed through hallways to get to the theatre while still surging, while still contracting, while my midwife is still coaching me because she said, you never know, he might turn and all of a sudden he's out. I can see lights flashing above my head. I'm closing my eyes, trying to stay in my body. But I could feel the quick energy of this incredible team. This team that we had at the Royal Hospital for Women worked fluidly and effortlessly and in sync and efficiently and perfectly. It was astounding to watch how they did this. The information imparted to me, quick, fast, loving, compassionate, and never once did I not feel honoured or respected or safe. They made me feel all of that. The hard part was opening my eyes and seeing the terror in Chris's eyes because he was witnessing all of this and feeling so scared. The funny thing is I wasn't scared. I was in shock but I wasn't scared and I felt so much to see Chris so scared and so concerned. The most wild part of this experience was sitting upright while still surging so anyone that's ever laboured will know that that downward energy as your body is pushing down is not conducive to sitting. You do not want to be in a sitting position when you're doing that unless you're say sitting on a toilet seat or a birthing stool and able to bear down but sitting flat with nothing to help you to push and I had the anaesthetist come to me and he's prepping me for this spinal tap and he says now Claire this is the really important part you absolutely cannot move while I do this spinal tap not an inch and I said but I'm contracting and he said yep you just can't move so I went deep into my body I went deep into the place that you need to go to when you are birthing your baby and I said right we can do this and I breathed deeply I moaned deeply but I held as still as I possibly could and I had that spinal tap in and I could hear beautiful job great beautiful job great beautiful job you're doing it you're doing it you're doing it It was my husband whispering in my ear you've got this babe you've got this babe you can do it you've got it you've got it it's done you did it oh wow so there I am lying on this bed in theatre, an experience I never, ever, 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 ever envisioned and one that I want you, mamas out there, if you're pregnant, you don't need to manifest this experience but you do need to consider it and it is important to look at all birthing stories, to hear all birthing stories because I was humbled in that moment when I realised this was never about me. I never had any control. No matter what I wished for, no matter what I intended for, there is something greater unfolding here. And Chris said it was in that moment that he saw deep surrender come into my body and he saw me finally, finally, fully accept and let go. And I felt it too. It was like this entity left my body, like this entity of control and fear left my body. The drugs that they had given me at that point were making me shake even more. So my body was pretty much thumping on this table, even though I was numb for the neck down, which was the most bizarre feeling. And they started doing their work. They started trying to turn him. And they were so excited. Claire, he's turning, he's turning. We can turn him, we can turn him. But I knew. I wasn't getting excited, but I knew what they were going to say. As soon as they took their hand off from when they were turning him, he would flip back. And they said, for some reason, he's choosing to stay in that position because there's nothing obstructing his way. They could see on the ultrasound that he was clear, but he was choosing. (laughs) And it makes me laugh. What a stubborn little Taurian boy. So they began the C-section. And I was just on a different planet at that point, just breathing, staying in my body as much as I could with a body that was completely numb. And I heard them say, all right, he's coming. Here he is. Here's your boy. And they lifted him up. And I saw this plump, pink, alert, calm little boy. And I burst into tears. I can't even say it. And then Chris started crying. And he was sobbing on my shoulder. 
And I turned to him and I said, babe. And he said, I thought I was going to lose you. And I thought I was going to lose him. And that was a really emotional moment for me because I never once had that feeling of fear that he had. I only had hope and safety. And it breaks my heart to think that he was witnessing all of that and feeling terrified that he was going to lose his family. So to all the men out there that have sat by their women during emergency C-sections, I hold space for you because I know that that must have been such a challenging thing to witness. But don't ever forget how important and vital you were and are to your women, to your ladies. They brought him straight to me, chest to chest, where I held him and kissed him and cuddled him. But I was shaking so hard that after a few minutes I actually had to ask Chris to take him, which was heartbreaking. But I'm so grateful that I wasn't apart from him for very long. I got stitched back up very, very quickly and sent straight to recovery. And on the way to recovery, threw up because I was dizzy from all the turning corners and going up elevators and all that kind of business. But as soon as I got there, I had him in my arms and I had him straight on the breast and he was a magnificent feeder instantly. And we stayed literally naked, skin to skin for the next 13, 14 hours straight. Straight, literally. I didn't sleep. I stayed with him all night. So there is my wild, wild birth story. Now, there's something I want to share with you guys here. Marianne, the woman I mentioned before, had told me that at some point a couple of days before that, she had tuned in to Raphael to check in on him. Now, she didn't pass this message on to me because she didn't want to worry me and she didn't want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But what she discovered was he was saying, oh, this is going to be challenging. Something has changed. This is not going to be so easy anymore. She asked him post-birth, she tuned in on him to try to see how he was feeling after the birth. And thankfully, he wasn't traumatized at all. And he was connected to our love and he was safe and happy. And he felt the wildness and intensity of our birth, but he was good. And she said, what happened? And he said, when mum's waters broke, the energy of that downward rush of water tossed and turned me like a washing machine. I felt like I was being tumbled. These are his words. And I got locked into a spot and I couldn't find the way out. I couldn't tell up from down, left for right. So I decided to stay put. So he made the choice to be in that position. He made the choice to stay where he was. He made the choice out of his own safety to be there and to stay there trusting that we would find a way to get him out, which we did. So post-birth, I'm really grateful. I recovered really quickly. By the third day, I was no longer on any medication. I was dealing with flashbacks of the experience, mixture of joy and relief and gratitude with guilt and shame and remorse and disappointment and sadness, respect and pride and awe of what women go through and cope with, all of the emotions. I had a debrief with the surgical team and my midwife and the whole team that was there just to process all the experiences and to ask all the questions, which I did, and they were so incredible about that. That's something that they offered, and I'm so grateful that they did that. But over the coming weeks, I gradually came to terms with the whole experience, but I never once felt uh, that it hadn't happened the way it was supposed to, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That part I knew. This is just how it was supposed to happen. So I wanted to share this story because I want to show you that no matter how much work you have done spiritually and emotionally and mentally, that things still happen unexpectedly. No matter how much you manifest, that sometimes you don't have control. I've had so many women in the past message me and say, oh, if only I had done the work that you've done spiritually, maybe my birth would have been different. Okay, yeah, maybe or maybe not. I had a beautiful, natural, drug-free experience with my first one. And look what happened the second time around. Completely different. So I share that because anything can happen with birth. Hands up in the air. 
Do the work that you want to do. Do the hypnotherapy, the calm birthing. Do the prep work. Get your body ready. Communicate with your baby. Manifest. All of it will help no matter what kind of experience you have. But please, mamas, stay open to all experiences, accepting of all experiences in deep surrender and trust. Please, please know that your baby will be with you no matter what. And the way that you enter this experience is so important for you in terms of how you cope emotionally and mentally and physically and also for the baby. It's all so important that you stay so so open and accepting and in trust truly is and you know what intervention is not my ideal I'm a bit big advocate of keeping hands off at birth unless necessary hence why I went to 43 weeks but in the end I'm also so incredible for it incredibly grateful for it sorry because without it maybe something more extreme might have ended up happening with this birth experience. But what I actually have is this beautiful boy who is just so deeply connected in love and so healthy and happy and not scarred at all by this experience, at all. And that's just really the most important thing out of all of this is that your babies come out healthy and happy and that you come out healthy and happy too. And you can if you stay open. You won't come out healthy and happy if you are in resistance overladen with expectations, stuck in fear and control and pissed off that things didn't turn out perfectly. And it's not lost on me that he was born on the light of the full moon in Virgo, (laughs) which is all about perfection. And from day one, Raphael has been teaching me since the moment he was in utero about letting go of perfection, embracing imperfection, embracing the messiness of this life and being okay with all of that craziness that unfolds on this journey that we call life. My beautiful friend, Marianne, who works obviously with babies in utero and after they're born, has highlighted something to me that's really important here. And I think it's important for all of us mamas to hear this, especially around this movement to have a drug-free birth with minimal intervention, which I do agree with and believe is very, very important. But perhaps nowhere near as important as we think. And this is what Marianne has to say. We need to make sure and state that if the birth does not go as planned, if it is not a gentle intervention-free birth, that the depth and power of a mother's love is not necessarily compromised. It is just not true that if you have an experience that is not as planned, that the baby will be unhealthy or not thrive or that the experience will leave them scarred. I've been at emergency c-sections, I've been at regular c-sections, I've been at regular births. Babies have been removed from their mothers for various reasons and many other interventions have happened. Yes it may not be ideal but these children whom I know today and who I can read energetically are happy, very healthy and very loved beings. Dr. Buckley says women may grieve what did not happen and may need support groups, etc. But what she does not do, and it's terribly important that we all hear this, is to remember that love transcends any problem. It always does and it always will. Yes, a baby may go through something and may need some help healing from a birth experience, but it's equally possible that a mother desperate that the first five minutes go well that she will be so contracted that the child will need help releasing the effects of the desperation. It is so easy to insist that birth go a certain way in order that the child is optimally nourished, but I don't think this is the case. Sometimes a birth may not go as planned and that baby is perfectly fine because the love is there. Isn't that incredible, guys? I just think it's so important that element that she has highlighted that sometimes when we're so desperate for something to be in one particular way like maybe you're so desperate to have a water birth and so desperate for it to be perfect and so desperate that you have um, an uninterrupted experience and that the placenta is released naturally and that the cord is left to finish pulsing on its own etc that all these things you're so desperate for it to happen that actually that creates contraction and the baby needs to be released from your intensity so I think it's just really important to highlight It's cool, whatever unfolds for you guys. 
keep the love open, keep the channel connection of love between you and your child open and that know that love transcends and heals all. That has been like the most mind-blowing realization for me and such a powerful, powerful lesson of deep trust, surrender and acceptance. And that lesson has continued on into the last three months of my journey with Raphael. Every time we're in a moment of struggle or resistance, I remind myself to stop asking God and the universe to fix the problem, but instead to grace me with deep acceptance and surrender in this moment. So that was a long story, and I'm sorry for all the jumbled words. I'm sleep deprived, and it's been a long time since I've recorded one of these podcasts, but I hope you got the essential message and all the information and all the details. I am so, so, so keen to hear from you and get your feedback on this experience. I know so many of you have been waiting to hear my birth story, especially those of you that cheered me on to 43 weeks, and maybe you were hoping that I was going to have this incredible intervention-free experience, this natural, perfect birth that would just highlight that going to 43 weeks and not letting them touch me was exactly the right thing. I'm sorry it didn't work out that way, but know this, it was exactly the right thing what happened for us. It's exactly the right thing, and I'm so grateful for it. And I know that he was never going to come out any other way. My little Torian bull was stubborn, too relaxed, too chilled, too content, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the system that has brought me my baby healthy and alive and happy. I'm so grateful. So please... Give me a review, shoot me a message, connect with me and share this episode with your pregnant mama friends so that they can know that anything is possible and that is okay, that they could have the beautiful drug-free birth that I had first time around or they could have this too and that's okay, that it can still be beautiful and that their openness to birth, hands up in the air, eyes to the sky, I'm ready God, whatever you're going to throw at me, that is all that they need. Keep the love open and stay ready to receive the wisdom and the gold that comes through for you in your birth experience. I'm so, so grateful that you have listened for this long and that you have allowed me to share a deeply personal and powerful experience with you. Thank you so much, beautiful ones. And I can't wait to continue on with this podcast and share you some more awesome stuff coming your way. I can't wait. Have a beautiful, beautiful day, whatever you are doing, and sending you all the love in the world.